Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. That's been one of my prayers during this. As I said, Lord, if you can bring something good out of this, uh, if you can use me to, to bring hope or encouragement to anyone else, then, then please do. That is Brad Knefelkamp as he shares with Pastor Paul today about the tragedy experienced in his family, the dark days ahead, and ultimately where he is finding hope. The name of this program is Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. All we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, welcome to Life Support. It's so good to have you here. This is a place where we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Christ. We also want to learn together how we can walk others through trial and suffering, and we want to find Jesus in that. So we've had the privilege over the last couple of times to talk with Brad Kneffelkamp, who has been sharing his very unique story. Uh, he talked much about his son, Logan who took his own life three years ago, an amazing dream he had where he took the hand of grief, thinking that it would lead him down the dark side. Instead, grief led him to a sunny pasture, a sunny park where he could find new joy. And Brad is back with us. And Brad, you have had God use you in people's lives in an amazing way since this tragedy, and it seems like all of a sudden God made you kind of a centerpiece for people that were going through same kind of tragedy. Tell me about that. Well, I think a lot of people are, are finding uh, a similar thing happen with them. Uh, it, it's like uh, when, when, when Logan died, um, People started coming out of the woodwork. It felt like um, having having a similar experience with, with with a child dying or something like that, and you become part of this this club that you never wanted to be in, and you never want anyone else to join. And um, and you, you go from not knowing anyone who's had this experience to knowing a dozen people or a dozen families. Um, about a year after Logan died, I got a call from my sister, and uh, she left a message on my phone. Uh, you know, she was obviously upset, asked if I would call her back. And when I did, I found out she, she told me that uh, her son had taken his life. And uh, I tell you, my heart just, just broke. And... Uh, I come from a large family, and uh, we're not super close, uh, seven, seven siblings, and, uh, but I tell you, when, when, when my sister called me up and, and said that, uh, that the gap between us was gone, and, and my heart still goes out to her you know, every day, her and her husband, and and uh, it was about six months after that, uh, a friend of mine called up, and 
in tears, he says, Brad, I got up this morning, found my son dead in his bedroom, accidental overdose. And uh, he, he started asking me, where, where's, where's God in all this? I raised, I raised my son in the church. I, w- I was worship leader at church, you know, and, and all, all these other things. And, and I've, I've prayed for my kids every day. How come my son is dead? And uh, these these stories are are very similar, uh, you know, in in a lot of respects. And and I think there's there's at least a dozen families that I know personally now who have had a child, uh, usually a boy, commit suicide. Or, or die of an accidental overdose, or um, die in a, some terrible accident. And it's never, it never, never feels, oh, how can I say this? You know, if, if your grandparent dies, you expect it. it, it it's, a, it's a natural progress of things, or, or process. And um, you know, your parents get older. Uh, I'm I'm very blessed in that both my parents are still alive. My wife, both her parents are still alive. But you know, the, they're getting up there in years, and and one day they will, they will die as well, and and pass on. And and yes, it'll be sad. It'll be grievous. But when your child dies, it's it's out of order. Mm-hmm. It's just it's. It's out of sync, and and everything's wrong. And I forgot the point that I was making through, well, <laughs> through all you were, that. You're talking about this epidemic of yeah, of it death is an epidemic that you've had to deal with, and it's it's just uncomfortable because it's it's sad, it's wrong, and it's not the natural course of events, which is so jarring. Yeah, I I can't believe I know so many people. Who who have had this experience? Yep. Um, I mean, I I could go down the list. Uh, uh, one of the pastors at our church, uh, I think it was within three months after Logan died, there his son took his life, hmm. and um, uh, one of the one of the youth leaders, he wasn't a pastor or anything like that, but at our church, took his life, and it's it's like. What 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 is going on? Why is there this uh, so much despair in in our society today, especially that that young men are taking on? Yeah, it's it is an epidemic, and this would be a good time to insert the fact that if you are needing help, if you are thinking about these thoughts for yourself, please reach out. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is a really good resource. It's 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. If you suspect somebody in your family may be thinking about this, if you're thinking about this, give them a call. National Suicide Prevention Hotline, easy to find online as well. And please reach out for help. You know, you mentioned the fact that you prayed for your family and, and you know, you Others that you've talked to have been praying for their families, mm-hmm. and I spent every, nearly every morning praying for my kids. I'd pray the blood of Christ, protection over them, and 
yet I had a son that was murdered. And I, you know, I've never, Brad, been through really a crisis of faith in the sense that I've never really gone into this whole thing, you know, why me? Mm -hmm. But I have faced a crisis of prayer, if that makes any sense, because I I had to reevaluate what prayer is and expectations of what of what prayer accomplishes. And I don't have all of the answers, you know. Um, I don't pretend to. I don't think anybody really does. I was hoping you did. Yeah, I know. Well, you can come and sit at my feet, and I'll teach you someday when I do. <laughs> but but Just give me the cliff notes. I will. Yeah, that's easier that way. Um, but here's where I landed on that. I landed on the fact that, number one, God is sovereign. And I, I live in God's sovereignty. It's the most precious doctrine to me of any doctrine because I don't have to have the answer. But I also landed on the fact that through that time of praying for my family, what was really happening is God and I were becoming interlinked. We were becoming one. We, I was finding out more about God. He was working in my heart. And you know how Jesus you know, promises us that you know, he will answer our prayers if we ask, but that's when we're intermingled with his will. That's when we're praying in his will. And I, I realized after all of those prayers, and the outcome wasn't what I wanted, that I had to relinquish that and realize that prayer was a relational exercise of getting to know God better, of understanding God more, because God is not obligated to do what I want him to do, because he knows way better than me. And then I have to trust that even a tragedy is still his best plan. And that's hard, but I believe that's scriptural truth. So I'm not sure where have you landed on that, because you've been down that same road, that same journey of trying to reconcile all that. Yeah. Um, You know, I believe that even even with God's sovereignty, he's given us free will. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes we choose things that he didn't want us to choose. But I also know that he is so gracious and, and so so loving and such a genius mm. at taking what Satan meant for evil and turning it around for good. Right. That even these things look as if he can turn them around so that it looks as if he planned it all from the beginning. Yeah. When actually what he has done is he has taken a tragedy, something that he wouldn't wish upon his own children, and turned it around for something so good. That, that's been one of my prayers during this. As I said, Lord, if you can bring something good out of this, uh, if you can use me to, to bring hope or encouragement to anyone else, then, then please do. Um, because no, I, I don't want anyone to. to well, go. here you are doing just that. So, well, that's why I accepted yeah. your invite. Because when yeah. you invited me, I'm like, I don't really want to do that. But <laughs> my, I thought, well, I well, told my the wife Lord and I, I would. You know, we we Wendy and I kind of made a decision early on that we were going to use any opportunity that we could. But I I can honestly say I don't like talking about it. 
Yeah. Every time is, you know, there's a joy in talking about it in the sense where I remember my son and I know that God is being honored. Mm-hmm. But there's an emotionally taxing and exhausting part of it that churns up a lot of things. And uh, it feels somehow self-serving at times. It's really hard to separate that out. Yeah. But yet, you know, talking about these things is how we can help others. And so you need to talk about it. And you're doing a great job talking about it. Where where did you come to faith? How did you come to faith? Oh, um, I was... <laughs> I was working at a hardware store, and uh, I saw these two guys talking about God. And I was just really interested to hear someone else's point of view, um, because uh, I, I just I wasn't feeling like I was getting anything out of how I had grown up with it. And so I barged in on their conversation. Now, here I am. I'm 18... I think, 18 years old. I got long hair. I was a drummer in a band. And I barge in on this conversation and say, hey, you guys are talking about God? I want in on this. I'd love to hear what you guys believe. Well, I didn't know it was they, they weren't talking about God. They were arguing about God. See, one was a Jehovah's Witness and the other was a Pentecostal. Oh, gracious. <laughs> I know it sounds like the beginning of a joke. <laughs> but, uh, and <clears throat> and so the the JW, he just, he targeted me, boy, you know, and, uh, and the Pentecostal was, was like, oh, what does this hippie want? You know, he just, right. He just wanted to, I think maybe win his argument with the JW and move on. But, uh, I ended up becoming close friends with both of them and they'd invite me over to their house and I'd go over to one guy's house. He'd explain what he believed and I'd listen and I go, okay, I, I see where you're getting that. I, I, I get that. And then I'd go to the other guy's house. He'd tell me what he believed and I'd go, okay, I, I see where you're getting that. I, I get that. Then I'd go home and go, wait a minute. They can't both be right. You know, after about, I think it was six months or so of, of going to these guys' houses, I was totally frustrated with the whole thing. And, uh, I remember I went home to my apartment, sat down on my bed, and I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and, and, and prayed. But I didn't think it was really a prayer. I just said, God, who are you? I said, you didn't just create us and leave us here and expect us to figure out who you are, did you? Because if, that, if that's the plan, I'm never going to figure it out. I just I already know that already. I said, but... I want to know you for who you really are. And if someone would have told me what was going to happen next, I wouldn't have believed them. And what happened was God spoke to me. And he said, Brad, between me and you, it's got to be one-on-one. You talk to me and I'll talk to you. Sometimes I'll talk to you like this, but usually I'll talk to you through the Bible. I want you to read it. And first of all, I, I knew it wasn't just something in my own head. Uh, it was definitely uh, different than than any thought I'd ever had, and um, and second of all, I I looked at the Bible and my heart just sank. I thought, oh, that's a big book. Hmm. I don't want to read that. I don't even like reading. But um, 
to make a long story short, I, I did end up opening the Bible. I did end up um, reading it. And when I did, it was like the curtains were pulled back. All of a sudden, I started reading it. It made perfect sense. And, uh, and yeah, something changed inside of me at that point where I felt something inside of me alive that had never been alive before. And, um, yeah, so that, that changed the whole direction. And how has the Word of God been an assist to you, a help to you, a foundation for you during these last three years of grappling with Logan's death? Well, I, I, I lean on it all the time anyway. I mean, even even before. Uh, I, I love to study the Bible. I, I study it differently now. Um, Not intellectual anymore. Right. Mm. It, it, it's it real really, life. Like, Yeah. Know. I mean, I open up the Bible now, and I'm like, okay, Lord, just reveal more of yourself to me. Mm -hmm. Wh wh what are you like? I, I'm, I'm, in essence, back at that very same day is when I called out to the Lord and said, I want to know you for who you really are. I'm still praying that. Yeah. I'm still like, it's a good prayer. Okay, God, mm -hmm. who are you really? Because I know mm -hmm. I've had, I've had theologies that have not panned out here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So and that and and I got to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just turn to the Bible. But you're and... but you've you've been able to continue habits that you developed before. Yes. And that's a huge gift as well. You didn't have to start over. You 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 were already in that rhythm of mm -hmm. going to God. It just hasn't been enriched and changed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. For all the wrong reasons, but yeah. still. Well, there he is taking something yeah. terrible and turning it around for good. If you had to, if you could offer a couple of words of advice to someone right now that might be in the midst of, a, a period of suffering. I mean, we're all suffering to a certain extent right now. We're all in a bit of trauma as a nation, mm -hmm. as even as a world community with the COVID-19 era. But there are others who are experiencing even more intense suffering. Maybe the loss of a, of a loved one. It may be loss of a job recently. Maybe financial strife. It may be um, marriage strife. But there's all kinds of trauma and grieving going on right now. What would you have, being someone who's gone through depth, the depth of darkness and and are still standing and you're still giving God glory and you're still committed to Christ, what would you say to them if you could give them a couple words? Sure. Uh, you know, first thing I would say is fear is a terrible taskmaster mm. and it'll drive you if you let it. Uh the only way I know to to eliminate or or at least keep fear at bay is is really uh knowing knowing God and and knowing that your relationship with him is is solid uh it may not get rid of it completely, but you know God hasn't given us a spirit of fear so so you know it's not from him and and a lot of people are very afraid right now and uh for for a lot of good reasons. Um, but don't let it rule you. Don't let it drive you. Uh, that, that'd be the first thing I would say. And that's kind of to everyone as a, as a 
blanket sort of a thing. Um, there was something else that came to my mind, but when I started telling you this, it left. Um, what was it? Well, you talked about fear, and I, I want to go back to that dream briefly because sure. I, I keep thinking of the streets that you walked by, mm -hmm. and and on your way to a better a better understanding of what grief can do to help. And you walked by anger, and you walked by these various streets, depression, yeah. anger, which are all places we could turn into right now very easily. Oh yeah, in our present experience. Yeah, but that's really uh, what I would say is Heartbreak Hotel gets you nowhere right you know yeah but a proper understanding of yeah i can i can be grieving right now yeah i can be concerned yeah there's you know everything's changed overnight but i gotta take hand i gotta take god's hand and let him lead me forward uh, he'll lead me to a place where i need to be it may not be comfortable and it may be it still might hurt but do we i guess the question comes down do i trust god enough to let him lead me right uh I remembered what I was going to say, and, and I, I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, embrace the suck. When mm -hmm. things just mm -hmm. are bad, embrace the suck. And that's basically what I did uh, when I took grief by the hand. I, I, I accepted it. I accepted grief. Um, and sometimes that's the best thing to do. But it's the scariest thing to do because you lose control. Uh, control is an illusion. Correct. <laughs> but you feel like you're losing control because I'm going to let myself grieve is a scary statement because you don't know where that's going to take you. True. And you don't know how it's going to affect your family. You don't know what people are going to think of you. You don't know if you're going to be able to hold it together. There's a lot of aspects of that. But if we don't let ourselves grieve, then we are suppressing something that God meant for us to go through so that we can be free. And grieving is a part of his process in us. But there's a whole trust thing. And really what you've been through, Brad, is it's been, it's been trust. You've had to learn how to trust more mm -hmm. and more and more and more. And it sounds to me like that has been a gift for you. Yeah. At the end of the day. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. But a hard gift to receive. Well, I wouldn't want to go through it without receiving it. So yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I also find myself at times thinking, I'm, you know, you, you mentioned watching, you know, having to watch your sister go through this. It's almost, yeah. you know, it's easier. I, I'd rather go through it myself than watch others. Yeah. And so it is hard to walk with people through this. And hopefully, we've been some encouragement to them as well uh, during this, because to watch friends suffer is really, really difficult. You know, and not only friends, uh, I, I remember one of the first thoughts was, this hurts so bad, I wouldn't even want my worst enemy to experience this. I, I, I couldn't fathom even ever wishing something like this on, on even someone I disdain. Yeah. Well, I'm really sorry you had to go through it. And Brad, it's been so good to have you. And I pray God's blessings on you. And thanks Thank for you. sharing from your heart. I've learned a lot from you. Appreciate it very much. Brad Kniffelkamp has been our guest and uh, sharing his story. I hope that um, he's been an encouragement to you as he has been to me. And we've been talking about God's plans, and we've been talking about how God turns evil for good. And we know that God has a plan, even when you can't see it. 
When you seek him in your pain, his work is furthered, and you find more and more of him if you do as Brad did, and that's just take the hand of grief and let yourself go and let God lead you to where he needs you to go. In First Chronicles 28.20, 20, the word says, Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So God has a plan. His purposes are ongoing. He's working on that plan right now, and he knows what's best. So you can rest in his arms. God is always with you. The great thing about God is he never rests. He's there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then when you wake up at night and you're anxious, he's there. In the morning when you wake up, he's there. And so take heart in that. And thanks for listening to Life Support. We love telling stories about how we can know Jesus better. Thanks to our partners, Faith Radio, Five Stone Media, and Ridgewood Church. We'd love to have you hop on the websites of those organizations and find out more. Love to have you join me on Twitter, too, at Pastor Paul J. Remember, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Please reach out if you need help. And thanks again. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. I'm Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. During this COVID-19 era, church leaders and mental health professionals are experiencing an unprecedented need for practical, biblically sound mental health resources. And we would love to have you be a partner with us in that journey. You can simply log on to fivestonemedia.com slash donate. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.